You're listening to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast with Kristen Brown, where we attract and create healthy relationships by applying practical ideas, universal truths, and life-changing inspiration. Let's go have some fun together. Hello, all my beloved brothers and sisters. I am super, super excited to share this interview with you. Danielle and I had such a great connection, and we speak the same language, and she just is a font of knowledge in this arena. And this is not only about one topic. We really span many different areas, but oh, you can just feel her vibrant essence and the truth of what she is saying. I absolutely know that you're going to enjoy this so incredibly much. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Danielle. Danielle Ingenito is the expert in healing after toxic relationships, and she helps women turn their pain into power. She is the creator of the Let It Go Method, which is a step-by-step process of helping women awaken their true self and let go of the constant feeling of needing validation from other people. Danielle is a certified intuitive Reiki master, psychic, medium, and life coach, and she has helped thousands of women take their power back in her challenges and transformational programs. She has nurtured a 65,000-plus person following on both Facebook and YouTube. Danielle is a sought-after speaker on podcasts and summits, including Avea University, and has been featured on Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, and UpJourney. So if you're not driving, grab yourself something to write with and on, perhaps a little beverage, settle yourself into a comfortable position, and let's dive in. Welcome, Danielle Ingenito. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Kristen. I'm excited to be here too. I have been waiting for this interview since we contacted each other. I was like, this is going to be absolutely amazing. I feel very blessed to have you on the Sweet Empowerment Podcast. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to get into the topic of narcissism and toxic relationships. It's going to oh, yeah. be good. So would you mind starting out with telling us just a little bit about your backstory that led you to becoming an expert in the field of recovering from relationships with narcissists? Yeah, so I used to be a certified public accountant, actually. <laughs> and now I'm a spiritual empowerment coach. I'm a psychic medium and totally different realm of the world. But Um, so I had a CPA business for about 12 years and I was married and I was married for about nine years and things like just weren't right all the time. And I was constantly trying to fix myself because I was being told that it was me, me, me. So I started to eat healthier. I started to exercise. I started therapy. I started to think more positively and, um, you know, things got a little bit better in my marriage. However, There came a time when I thought things were getting better, but then one night things went down, we got into a big fight, stuff happened, and then the next day everything was done. And within a week or so, he was with somebody else, and I was completely devastated. Like I remember showing up, we didn't have school buses where I lived, and I would show up at my kids' school to pick them up, and like I couldn't even look at people there because I would just start bawling my eyes out. I had lost like 10 pounds in a week because I was just so like, I didn't understand like how this could happen. And like, why was she enough? And why wasn't I enough? Like, why did he go to her and not stay with me? Was I really that bad? Mm -hmm. So in all of that, I was trying to get through, I got involved with another toxic relationship that I was unaware of. 
at the time. And my life was just going downhill. And I had two small kids at the time and I needed, they were three and six. So like they needed me because their dad no longer lived with us. Like they needed me more than I needed me. So it helped me make the decision that I had to do something. Like I, I couldn't continue living this way because I probably would have ended up either dead or an alcoholic or with the wrong person that might've been no good. Mm-hmm. So one day my friend had suggested energy healing and being a CPA before I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I did not know what that was. Um, and especially when somebody said Reiki, I totally resisted that. I'm like, that's kind of freaky. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'll go over to the therapist. Thank you. Yes. yes. Um, but at that point, like I had already tried therapy. I was in therapy for two years. And I was just like, what can I do? I was devastated. I was like, all right, we're all made of energy. I remember them. I remember somebody telling me that, right? We're all made of energy. And I was like, well, let me just try it. And then one day I did. And it was like the only thing that made me feel better. Like I felt lighter when I walked out of there. I felt like I cried. Like I felt like something released and something was different. And then from that moment on, I studied it. And then I started sharing it with other women because it's like, how come we don't know about narcissism? How come we don't know about energy? And that's kind of like what my mission has been. Uh, You hit the nail on the head. No one, no one told us. (laughs) I know. Even in therapy. We did not get the memo. I know. Uh, How is it that a person can recognize when they're in a toxic relationship? And the reason why I ask that is because as you probably experienced yourself, you get into kind of this weird rolling pattern and it's hard to like stick your head out of the water and even know that something's, and you know, something's wrong, but you don't know exactly what is wrong. So can you identify for our listeners what a toxic relationship really is and looks like? Yeah. So I think that there's two different kinds, right? So there's the toxic relationships when people are just not they're not a good fit together and they're trying to make it work, but it's just not working. So like there's fighting and, you know, um, just disagreements all the time. And like, you know, disconnection in the relationship, people would call that toxic as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about today, but that is toxic. And like, if you, if you're in that kind of relationship, like maybe just realize that you're just not meant to be together. Like, it's just not a good fit. You've got to find your good fit. But the toxic relationships, especially with narcissism in it, is completely different than that. It is a relationship that's kind of one-sided, where the the narcissist is going to be the person that has the control or has like one over you. So, you know, in my relationship, and this is the thing, like you can identify a toxic relationship of abuse, right? Physical, sexual abuse. It's very easy to be like, oh crap, I'm in a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. But the silent one is the emotional abuse Mm -hmm. and the emotional abuse is the one that we don't really see because it's just verbal and we don't, and we're, and you said like, we fall into these, these habits. It's that we're in survival mode all of the time because we're constantly getting digged at and like telling us that we're the problem. This was definitely what was happening in my marriage. Um, you know, that we're the problem and we're just trying to, first of all, comprehend and process that, like, is it really me or is it them? Is it me? So we're so confused on top of that, we're getting put down, right? We might be controlling things are being blamed on us. We're not doing things right. We're the cause of whatever they're doing that they're not supposed to be doing. 
So it's a lot of the emotional abuse that happens. So if you're in a relationship that you're constantly questioning yourself Mm. as to, am I the problem? When you know that like they're the problem, it's something to look deeper and dig deeper into because you can be in a toxic relationship. You know, when you just first started telling your story, my eyes were tearing up because I feel, oh, I'm going to tear up because I feel that so I've been there and I know what that feeling feels like. And I know that so many women are stuck in these things and they don't know it. You know, I'm way past that now, but it's, it's traumatic to be in those situations and people like you that are willing to speak on this and to share your journey and to talk about what you did, because there is some serious recovery that needs to happen after these relationships. I mean, I have chills all over my body just listening to you speak because, and I know so many people are going to identify with this and like, oh my God, that's me. So thank you again. Um, I want to touch on the part about being confused and not touching, trusting yourself. Because for me, when I was in a toxic or a um, narcissistic relationship, which I was only in one, even though others didn't work, there's, there's really something special in air quotes about a, a narcissist relationship, because it is mind blowing and it'll, it'll bring you down. Even for someone like me who grew up with four brothers, I have a strong personality. I'm not afraid to speak up. I, I am super intuitive. I can see right from wrong. And yet it was just like these heavy boulders coming down on top of me. And it was really hard to swim out of that. So can you talk about the, um, the confusion, the not trusting yourself, maybe afterwards, like, how do you get that back? Mm. Yeah. Well, first just realize that it's the narcissist's goal is to make you confused because the more confused you are, and the more that you're not trusting yourself, the attention is on you and not them. So that's their goal. So when you leave a toxic relationship and leaving is, you know, just as mind blowing and confusing as, you know, being in it, Um, because you feel guilty and and all of this stuff. But when you leave it, it's important to disconnect from the, the, the things that the narcissist said to you, because we'll hold on to what they said as though it's our truth Mm. and it's not our truth, right? They are saying things to us because of their perception and lack of perception, really, to be honest. Um, So we need to disconnect from the words that they say and realize that it is not your truth. And you have to actually learn how to love yourself Mm. and accept yourself for who you are in order to move forward and really heal after these toxic relationships. Oh, that is, yes, because they will, they will try any tactic to try to knock you off your game. Mm -hmm. And, and I found this, have you found this, that the stronger and more clear you are, the more they fight you because you're, yeah, yeah, you're not succumbing. Yeah. A narcissistic injury. You are not going down easy. (laughs) Yeah. Especially like, it's funny. My clients will come to me and they'll be like, well, I said this to them. And I was like, Oh, Ooh, you just caused a narcissistic injury. Of course, they're going to attack back, you know, like they're going to attack back. So, and this is one thing to remember is that, you know, narcissists, they just need supply. They're trying to feed their ego. You know, they're trying to fill these insecurities that they have about themselves with other people. 
but they will do that by fighting and loving, right? So it's not just about them giving or you giving them love. It's also about you fighting with them too. So this is why we talk about no contact or like the gray rock method, which is where you don't give them any kind of um, emotion so that, because once you do, they know they have you and they're just going to keep digging. So it's best mm -hmm. not to respond, not to show any emotion. And I always tell my clients that you have to give yourself time and space, especially because I have to co-parent with him all the time. So it's like, you have to give yourself time and space instead of automatically just reacting or, you know, coming back with whatever they're asking, like give yourself time and space to figure that out because mm -hmm. they're just going to keep using manipulation tactics on you. So you've got to give yourself time and space to actually realize what that manipulating thing is that they're doing so that you can then respond accordingly. And don't you think, Danielle, that after you do take some space and the, the fog lifts and you start to get clear, it, it becomes a little easier because you start, don't you start spotting it faster? Like, oh, there's that, there's that little thing again. Yeah. And it, um, and I, I always say that like we're in survival mode when we're with them, right? We're always looking for the next like thing that they're going to say or anything. So when, even if you're in that relationship right now, like you want to take like a weekend away to just see how you feel without having the need to protect yourself or all that confusion, like from everything that they're saying to you, like take some time away. Like I always suggest, like if you could take a week away from your partner, if you're, if you feel like you're in this type of relationship, like do it because it's hard to see it when you're in it. And so when you can get away, you can see it clear. And then that might make it easier for you to make a decision whether to leave the relationship or not. And this brings up a good point in my head because my narcissist, I don't even like saying that, but I'm going to, <laughs> was such the charmer to everybody else. And when he finally pulled the dastardly deed and did what he did, mm -hmm. people to this day are still scratching their heads going, no, not him. And I'm like, oh, yes. And they're like, I would have never thought. I would have never thought. So I think when you're not having the, your loved ones coming to you and saying, you know, he's not treating you right because they're not outward about it. They're not doing it in front of the world, right? You, you really yeah. get confused because you can't explain it because they, they're only seeing their vision. Yes. I, I, I went through that with my marriage when it ended, all his friends didn't believe what I said happened and it didn't come out until like a couple of years afterwards. And they were like, I'm so sorry. You were absolutely right. I just never thought he could do that. And I was like, neither did I, it was his wife, you know, but yeah. So, you know, that's another point to make to your listeners is like, it's okay that people don't believe you. Like, again, your truth is your truth and you know what happened. Other people don't need to know or don't need to accept that as truth in order for you to move on. It's about you, you know, understanding that yourself and releasing that and letting that go. Um, it's not about proving it to other people. It's about mm -hmm. healing yourself with what happened. Amen to that. You know, you talked about that the narcissist are trying to fill their insecurities and their unworthiness and, and those type of things. And what I have found there's, there seems to be a pattern with that is that a lot of women who are super sensitive and want to save and fix. And do you find that at first there's kind of a key to the lock going on here because she's so overgiving and he of course is so overtaking that it just kind of boop, like the energies kind of match at that moment. 
Yeah. And I think that the narcissists actually seek out women like that. So these women I call or label, which I don't like to label, but I used to say to myself, I'm codependent, right? And people mm-hmm. think like codependency is about, you know, depending on somebody else to live where it's not that at all. I was very successful. I had my own business. I was a breadwinner. But what, what it is, is that I was always seeking love outside of myself. So therefore, that's why we overgive. It validates us when we give a lot and fix people because that means that we're worthy or that we're lovable or something like that. So it's important to understand that if you do feel like you're overgiving and you need to fix everybody, that there's something inside of you that actually needs to be healed so that you don't have to do that because everybody is responsible for their own selves, like their own healing, their own you know journey. Um, you're not responsible for fixing everybody else. And the more that you try, the more you're going to burn out. And with narcissists, they can tell that you are the overgiver or the people pleaser, like right away, because they will test you with words or questions. And if they get the right answers, they're going to know that they can manipulate you. So mm-hmm. it's important to heal that side of you. And it's not just about setting boundaries because a lot of women will go like, oh, I just need to set boundaries. But that actually ends up being like a wall because we've hurt, been hurt so much. It's like nobody can come in now. So it's important to heal so that you can keep yourself open to the good, but then keep out the bad. Mm, beautiful. I've noticed, and tell me what you think about this, is that the boundaries don't work with narcissists. They can work with a healthy somewhat healthy. I mean, we're all healing and growing all the time, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I say healthy in air quotes because we all have our junk, but it, they don't work. They just don't work with narcissists. I know they didn't work in my, my case whatsoever, but with a, what should we call them? Typical male or typical part? What can we call the non-narcissist? Just a non-narcissist. <laughs> a good person. <laughs> <laughs> A typical person. Let's do that. Right, yeah. <laughs> a typical good person out in the world, boundaries will work on. But I think that's you brought up such an amazing point because there that's a great way to know that you might be dealing with a narcissist is that your boundary ain't working, sister. It is just mm-hmm. not gonna work. You touched on something that I really wanted to talk about, which is the uh maybe a definition of the codependent and an empath. And, and the differences between the two, because I think these words are like, even narcissism is thrown around a lot in pop culture. And mm-hmm. I've also noticed that empath is too, and those type of things. So um, could you give us first like, kind of a definition of really what codependency is and then empath and then compare the two, please? Yes. So like I said, codependency is that you're, you are looking for that love outside of yourself. I'm going to do one better for you. Okay. So I created a YouTube channel, a YouTube video one time where I went through exactly these three words Oh, now. Yeah. So the way that I, I want the link it, to that at, at, I'm going to post that. I would love okay. that. Okay. Definitely. Um, so the way that I see it is we have like an empathy scale. Okay. So think about one side and the other, we have a line and it's empathy. On one side of the line is codependence, where they have way too much empathy. They just want to care for everybody, fix everybody. They feel for everybody. Mm. And then on the other side of the line is narcissism, where they have no empathy for people. So this is, they don't care about how their kids feel when they're not seeing them. They don't care about cheating on their wives. They have no empathy and they don't care about how other people are going to feel because of their actions. So that's the two, that's the two spectrums on this one. That's the two sides of the, of the spectrum empaths to me are not even on this spectrum because they are actually, it's all about energy with empaths. 
So we can be codependent empath, but they're two very different things, okay? Because codependents are dealing with their own feelings, things that they have been through in their childhood um, and other past relationships. So they're dealing with their own feelings. In my book that I'm writing, it's called, It's Not You, It's Your Energy. So with empaths, um, they're absorbing other people's energy. So we have the ability to absorb other people's energy and our energy actually holds our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So that's why a codependent is not always an empath, okay? Because they're, they're, it's their own energy. It's their own thoughts and feelings. An empath, when like you were just started to cry because you were listening to my story. Mm -hmm. So you were mm -hmm. feeling the energy that I went through when I went through that situation. Mm -hmm. So you're actually taking on somebody else's energy, which is taking on somebody else's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Mm -hmm. So it's important to identify between the two. You can be both at the same time, but you might be codependent and not be an empath, or you might be an empath, but not be codependent. So, um, you know, it's, it's important to understand your energy so that you know if you're taking on somebody else's or if you're only working with yours. Does that answer your question? Oh, 100%. That is probably the best definition I've heard to date. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Also, but it, I love that you link those two together and what how they can be enmeshed and not enmeshed because being, you know, obviously I'm an empath, have been my whole life. I actually have returned it energy reader <laughs> because that word was so thrown around. I was like, I don't really like that word, but um, I can see how, how people can get confused about mm -hmm. the two of those things. That makes perfect sense to me that if I'm hearing you correctly, that the codependent is trying to find worth in helping somebody else, but, you know, because they, they, they do care about other people. Mm -hmm. but it's more because they're feeling a void inside themselves where an empath can pick up on other people's energies, whatever that might be, thought, feelings, emotions, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. And, and they sometimes take that on and confuse it with their own. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. I've done this for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, God, there was a question that crept up about the empath. So I love to ask this is how can, since we're just going to dabble in em empathy a little bit, how is it that a person can protect themselves? Because for me, it's kind of, you know, I'm kind of an open book. I told my husband, I can just stare at somebody across the room and I've downloaded what's going on with them in the day. And, you know, of course he's, he's first time he's ever heard of this stuff. So he's like, okay, what is, you know, we've been together eight years now. He's kind of, he's kind of approved it. I've proved it. Okay. Too. That's good. <laughs> but got to start somewhere, but you know, sometimes I don't want to do that, but yet I don't want it to go away. Yes. That's a big thing, right? So we're scared of it going away. So the first thing is setting boundaries. So we talked about setting boundaries in our human world, but now it's, it's setting energetic boundaries. You don't need to take on other people's energy. You have the ability to do that anytime that you want, but you can set boundaries around that. Okay. So when you're talking about energy and taking on other people's energy, especially if you're with narcissists, because they have very dark energy. So you really want to protect yourself. And that might be one of the problems too, is like when you're confused, is that you're feeling their stuff too. So like, you're feeling like you're the narcissist. And again, it's on the same spectrum. So we can go back and forth in between these two um, codependent and narcissism. And sometimes codependents can act like narcissists because the narcissist gets them like so riled up in what they do. Mm -hmm. But right. Yes. Yeah, as, as far as protecting your energy, though, 
setting boundaries. So I talk about setting boundaries, energetic, and then with the spirit world as well, but you can set those boundaries that, no, I don't want to pick up anybody else's energy unless I ask for it, right? So it's about getting really honest with yourself and, and lose the fear of losing it because you're never going to lose it because we're all energy and we have the ability, but you're only hurting yourself by allowing yourself mm -hmm. to pick up on everybody else's energy. So you always have to put yourself first and realize that with the work that you do, like your energy needs to be vibrant and good for the benefit of your clients. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be picking up everybody else's energy. You only want the light, you know? So, um, setting boundaries, but then I always talk about clearing and protecting. So we have to do both. So you want to clear your energy because if you do get other people's energy, we want to push it off. And then for protecting it, we want to set those boundaries there. There in my book, there's some like other visualizations that you can do. There's some stuff on YouTube that you can do to make sure that you protect your energy on a daily basis. And it depends how sensitive you are. So it sounds like you're maybe, a oh, I'm, a, I'm a 10 plus. <laughs> yeah. So you have to like do these things like multiple times a day. Like I get energy healings every week, but just to clear the energy off because I work with clients. Um, so you really have to take that self care for yourself to care for your energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have any quickie little thing you could share with people about protecting mm -hmm. their, what you said, setting the boundary with energy? Um, I did, I did something because I worked in a big salon. I did hair for 30 years and um, I liked that part of me because it really helped me connect with my clients. I mean, I was really simpatico, very close with my clients. And I could feel like where they were at in that day, whether they needed to be quiet or whether they needed to share something, you know, so yeah. it really helped with that. But yet the whole vibe, there was 38 stylists in there plus clients, Yeah, you know, nail techs and everything else. So it was a lot of people. And I just remember walking in there going, I, I have to, like I'd hit sometimes a, it was a great salon. So I'm not dissing the salon, but I would just hit, hit this ball of energy walking in. So I started protecting myself in a cocoon of white light. I just mm -hmm. think God, please protect me from anybody else's energy. Um, I still do that to this day, but also with clients, I say, just let in enough to give me some information. Like, I don't want to feel the whole full Monty. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. So do you have any tools? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give you one for protection and one for um, clearing. So one of the things in like the white light and everything, a bubble of white light, like that's kind of all taught. Uh, one thing that came through from my spirit team was that you shine like the sun. So it's like, if you look at the sun, you can't really look at the sun because it's too bright. And that's what they were showing me about. If your energy is so vibrant, the lower vibrational energy won't be able to touch you. So it's about kind of like envisioning your light shining wow. out. Love that. Yeah. So it like repels everything else. So that's just one thing for protection. Obviously there's like crystals and stuff like that. I go over that in my book. Um, as far as the clearing, one thing that I like to do is this breathing exercise with the visualization. Um, so you have to understand that you're picking up on other people's energy, but your energy also might be with other people, like your clients and stuff. So one thing that I say is just to suck in your energy back and then to blow out any negative energy. And while I do that, I imagine a white light coming in and then a dark energy going out. So I would just be like, mm -hmm. suck it all back in and then just blow it all out. So you're bringing in your energy your positive energy and then releasing anybody's negative energy off of you. So that's just something quick you can do anywhere. That's, that's the good that. part about it. You can do that anywhere you no are. No one knows. You can do it on a plane or standing in line at Starbucks and no one's going to know. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. And I do that sometimes in the grocery <laughs> stores. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, back off, sister. I <laughs> stay over there in the in the self checkout lane. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the that's the okay. So the imagining out that is the clearing part of it, and then the blowing out is the self protection. Is that what you're saying? Or that's the okay. I'm confused. Yep. So the protection was basically you're shining out. So okay. your light is shining okay. out. So this is about you not absorbing other people's energy, right? So that's protecting your energy so that you're not taking on other people's energy. The breath work is that you have other people's energy already on you. And, and then it's about, yeah, blow. It's about sucking your energy back in because if you're taking on all negative energy and your positive energy is all out there, mm. it's like you're depleted. So yeah. now you need to call in all of your positive energy back and then release anybody's negative energy that you've taken on. Beautiful. I love that. So I want to dip in real quick about steps to healing after a toxic relationship. And when we're saying toxic, we're talking about the two types of toxic, whether it just didn't go well with somebody, you're just not aligned or a relationship with a narcissist. And maybe even someone that's been a serial cheater who could have been super nice, just anything that just dragged you through the mud pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have something called let it go method and it's basically five steps to healing. So the first thing is getting aware. So you have to be very aware of where your thoughts are, where your energy is. So, and this is the one thing that I just want to say before we go into this is that I work with the mind and the energy on the same page. So I have a lot of clients that will like, I know I'm worthy of a good relationship, but why do I keep attracting the narcissists, right? And that's because of their energy. So their energy is saying something completely different. We feel something different than what we think. So it's important to get them both on the same page. Um, so the first step is awareness. So it's awareness of what you're thinking all the time, how negative you are, what you're thinking about yourself, also where your energy is. How do you actually feel about being in a healthy relationship? Do you feel worthy of being in a healthy relationship? The next step would be to identify the root of the issue. So this is where we go back to the childhood because most, I, I've worked with a lot of women and it always goes back to the childhood because if we haven't released the energy from the childhood, then we're still sitting with that. And that's mm -hmm. why it's affecting how we actually feel about ourselves. And this is why we also let the narcissist get into our heads because we think that there's a little bit of truth as to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And that is coming from the childhood. So then when we identify that, it's about reprogramming and, and releasing the energy around those situations. And I usually say childhood trauma, but the, it's really childhood wounds because trauma doesn't have to be something significant. It can be mm -hmm. something as, I just remember my dad giving me this look of disappointment and mm -hmm. like that sat with me for all of these years until I released it. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be traumatic. It can be something that was just, it just sits with you mm -hmm. since you were a child. Um, so we reprogram and shift the energy and then we set boundaries. And that's why, because I say it because boundaries, it's not number one. And we always, that's what I did. The first course I ever took to heal was a boundaries course, but it's not about the setting boundaries. It's about feeling worthy enough to set those boundaries because yes. we can try to set a boundary, but they'll walk all over it. Just like you said, the narcissist just walks all over it, mm -hmm. but it's about feeling worthy so that you can then, you know, enforce those boundaries too. And then my favorite part is about connecting back to yourself, connecting to your higher self, finding yourself again, finding who you are again, because after 
these types of relationships, I mean, you don't even, I didn't know who the heck I was. Like, I didn't even know what I liked. I, you know, I, now my mom lives on a lake. I wasn't in that lake for 17 years while she lived up there. But after now I'm paddle boarding, I'm kayaking, I'm swimming in it. We're boating. Like, it's like, I became this person that I didn't even know I had inside because I was just always trying to make everybody else happy. Mm -hmm. And I never really found what made me happy. Right. And I found that too, that with boundaries, that unless you have that worthiness to support it, even if it's setting a boundary with a child or a parent, it doesn't even have to be a toxic person. If you can't stand behind that thing, if you don't have the self-love behind it, that's motivating you to stand behind that thing, that there really are futile. This work is so crucial that that we get into that. So um, energy attachments. Talk to me about energy attachments, because this is an area that I am not well-versed in, but I've heard about this. In fact, when I went to coaching school, they have all kinds of these types of arenas over there. Mm-hmm. And um, people were talking about that a lot, but I was moving on to other things. So talk to us about energy attachments. Sure. So I think there's two different kinds. Um, one is going to be people in the human world. And then we also have energy attachments from the spirit world. Okay. And it's nothing to be nervous about or scared about because it's just energy. So whether it be in the human world or in the spirit world, it's the same thing. So I remember um, a time when, you know, I lived in my apartment after the divorce and stuff. And all of a sudden for like a couple of days straight, I was just like emotionally a mess. Like I was crying. I didn't want to, I even called out some clients because I just couldn't even get off the couch. I was just watching sad movies and crying my eyes out. And like, I say to myself, like, what the heck's going on? Like, there should be no reason why I'm feeling this way. There's no reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, the next day I had to go to the doctor. And at that point, a text message came through from somebody that I used to talk to, but I hadn't talked to in like a year. And I actually, he was feeling that way. He was feeling depressed. He was yeah. crying all the time. And yet I was picking up, I was, I, he was attached to me in that way. So these things can happen in the physical world, but then I've also had things where it's a spirit that's attached to me too. So I always say that it's important for you to know your default energy. So, and the default energy is like, how do you feel on a normal day? Like when everything is going okay, like how do you actually feel? Are you negative? Are you positive? It doesn't matter what it is, but just to know that that is kind of how I feel on a normal day. Mm-hmm. And when you start like to- ba- Like a baseline. What's your baseline? Yes, exactly. Like a baseline. That's a great word. Um, so when you start to feel differently and there's no reason, that's the, that's the main point. Because obviously like, you know, if somebody passed away or you broke up with somebody, like obviously you have a reason to feel differently sure. than your baseline. But if you feel differently and you don't know why, like you're having a great day and then all of a sudden you're flying off the handle and yelling at everybody. And it's like, what the heck happened? Nothing happened. It's like, you might be picking up on somebody else's energy. Um, As far as spirits go to me, like, especially working with my clients and stuff, like I have to really protect because I will take on their energy as an attachment and I'll just feel like they feel right. And then also spirits as well. Like they have been attached to my clients. I do clearings for them because even when I get an attachment, it's hard for me to clear it off because I think it lowers our vibration. So -hmm. therefore we don't have that, that power to like get it off of us. So I usually go to somebody else to help me get it off. If I feel like I have that, but like, I'll sit with it. I'll try to clear it. But if I just keep feeling this way and have no reason, I'm like, I have something attached to me and I got to get it off. Okay. So this is okay. Good news. I did know what this was. I didn't have a name for it. 
Ah, good. I've taught that. I've actually taught that to my kids. I've, you know, because we've just talked about all kinds of things like this all through life. And, mm-hmm. you know, my son would call me sometimes and say, mom, I think I got somebody else on me. You know, I've got yeah. something else. I didn't know it was called an energy attachment. I, I called it picking up on someone else. I didn't, yes. I didn't have a name. So cool. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yay. And I'm glad you yeah. know that's a thing. Cause I kind of thought I made it up. <laughs> not no, really. not at all. I mean, I and- knew it was a thing, but I'd love to hear somebody else speak about it rather than yeah. coming from myself. Yeah. And picking up on somebody else's, that would be like your energy reading, right? Like, oh, I can see how they, I can feel how they're feeling or, or something like that. But like, this is like attached and you can't get it off. No, that you know? I know. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like driving around, having this wonderful day, then feel like crying out of nowhere. Yes. Yes. Those yes. type of things. Like all of a sudden you're just like, or just having an amazing day, then feeling irritable or just some weird thing comes out of the blue. And, and that's, that's what I always told my son. I said, check in with yourself. Were you like this 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago? Did you have a negative thought? Were you thinking about grandma dead? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's something he's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm like, all right, you got to do some clearing with that. So yeah. thank you. That's, I love this so much. That's amazing. Good. Um, the energy clearing. I mean, it's so incredibly important and there is a difference between that and the empathy. Like you were saying, this is something else that's attached to you. What I didn't know, Miss Danielle is that spirits can attach to us. And I say it in a good way because I love the afterlife. I love, you know, I've had contact with loved ones and people over there. So it's nothing I fear, but I didn't know the suckers can attach to you. Tell me how you can determine if it's over there or over here? That's a good question. Um, (sighs) Or is it just a general, it's not cool. We need to get it off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. I'm trying to think. I mean, if you're intuitive, you can kind of ask your guides and like, see what it was, but I'll tell you a funny story. Like this is how, how it can. So my book is the subtitle is like how your energy is creating chaos in your life. There was a time when I started to get attracted to women. Mm-hmm. And I've never been attracted to women before. Interesting. And I'm like, wow, maybe my divorce did something to me. Like I was just like, <laughs> like very confused. But I'm like, DNA. yeah, you never know. Um, but then like, as it went on and went on, I'm like, no, there, this doesn't feel like me. Like this doesn't feel like who I am. Like the thoughts that I was having, I was like, and it's hard. Like, just like when you're in a toxic relationship, like if you're not aware of your energy all the time, like it's, you're going to feel like it's you, right? That's why my book is, it's not you, it's your energy. So I started to be attracted and I was like, wait a minute. No, I don't think this is real. So, so I had a clearing and then all of a sudden it lifted off. So I I feel as though that was a spirit from above that was, and and this is how I feel about spirits. It's really nothing to be afraid of because it's all energy. And I think that it's better to be educated than non-educated because of fear. So, because we have dark energy in the physical world as well, instead of just the spirit world. So it's very important to educate yourself on all realms, but if you don't feel good, it's about just releasing. So make sure that you get a clearing or you try to clear. I try to clear myself as much as possible, but if I feel like it's still there, then I will go to somebody else to to get that done. But it is kind of a general thing. Like if you feel like you have something on you, don't worry about like who it is or what it is. And also be aware that there's no time or space between energy. So you don't have to physically be with somebody or cross paths with somebody in order to pick on up somebody else's energy. They could just be thinking of you. Yeah, they can be. 4,000 miles away. Yeah. Be in Japan. They yeah. can be anywhere, right? Yeah. 
just a quick question, just because I'm curious, why would a, a deceased person want to get on you? Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. <laughs> Good question. Um, the way that I feel, the way that I've seen what I've seen and experienced is that I believe that we come here to heal and evolve and grow as much as possible to then take that back to our energy that still is connected to the universal energy. I feel like a little bit of our energy drops into our human body. And then we have this universal, we have a bigger form of our energy that's connected to the universal energy at all times. Mm -hmm. So what I feel is though the work that we do in our human lives goes back to our energy. So if we don't learn the lessons in this lifetime, we just bring that negativity back. So there is negative spirits. Sometimes there's negative spirits that are left in the physical world, so to say. I've, I've worked with a couple of these where they're trying to find the light. And if you're an empath, right? And you have all this bright light to give, they're going to be attracted to the Interesting. light. Yeah. So it's nothing wow. scary. It's just like somebody trying to, to figure out their path or figure out their way home, we'll say. So they'll want to, uh, they're not trying to do anything, any harm to you, um, but they're just negative energy. So therefore that's how we take them on. So we, the, the light attracts the darkness. So that's why they would want to attract, um, attach to you because they're just trying to find like, where the hell am I? And where do I go? <laughs> like, right. and they see the light and they go to you. Well, and that's, and, and human people can do that too. They, yeah, they that's yeah, exactly. Light, and then they come in and suck you dry. Okay. Yeah. This is really interesting. I just have to break in and tell a little story the past, I don't know, week or two, I, and this is so not like me because I'm a very positive, happy person singing in the grocery store and whatnot. I, move through moods quickly, this mm -hmm. type of thing. But I've just, I've been telling my husband, like something's wrong and I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong, but I can't like, I can't get myself back into it, into my Kristen space. And it feels funky and I'm doing all my stuff that I do. You know, I got my mm -hmm. some little crystal light back there in the background, <laughs> you know, I got all my stuff that I do and nothing's working. I'm a huge meditator, blah, blah, blah. So there's a center real close to me called the center for the divine awakening. And they were doing this sound healing, which is mm -hmm. gong and crystal bowls and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And he's a friend of mine. And, and I just recently saw they had this thing and I said, oh, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do that. And while I was in there, I, I'm like, this is, I just need like something to break through me. So he goes around the room and he talks to all of us. And there's this little lady in the back and she's a Reiki master. And she's talking about her little journey with Reiki and I could just feel it. The minute I looked at her, I went, I need to see her. I need to see that lady. I don't know why I've never had, I think I've had Reiki once. And I was mm -hmm. like, I, I, I just need this. Well, back up three or four or five days ago, I had a little conversation with God. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm really done with this. I don't know what's going on. I don't like this feeling. Please lead me, guide me. I don't know what, I, anything. Just help me get this odge off of me. And then we're having this absolutely outstanding conversation, which is substantiating, confirming that I probably need to see Reiki. Do you do Reiki too? Are you a Reiki master? Yes, I'm a, I call myself an intuitive Reiki master. So I use the power of my intuitive abilities to connect to energy, uh, receive messages, um, help me, guide me to where the energy really needs to go. Um, but I am a Reiki master as well. So, but Reiki is more about um, from how I was taught anyway, is about sending the, the energy and allowing it to go where it needs to go, where when I teach intuitive energy healing, it's more about intentionally sending it back to certain places, getting guidance from above, using loved ones that have passed, 
like that kind of thing to really help release your energy as well. It's amazing. Are some people harder to get off of you? Like if you've spent a couple of weeks with, you know, a darker draining energy and it's more harder to recover from certain people than other people. Cause I've typically been able to recover quickly from people. And I found recently that's not the case with a particular person. So is, is that a thing? Yeah, I would say that the more negative the energy is and the longer it's on you for without protecting or clear, really clearing it, if it's gone, mm-hmm. it's not, if it's on you, protecting you isn't going to help anymore. So it's about clearing it. So the more negative it is and the longer that it's on you without clearing it, it's going to be the harder to get off. So it's kind of like a blueberry that you leave on your counter that, you know, if you have a white counter, if you get that little guy off real quick, you're good. But if it sits there for a little bit. <laughs> You can have this little blue stain. Yes. A little bit of work to get that guy off, right? Yeah, Same I love that. Color being a hairdresser, if you dropped a dot, get it quickly and you're fine. Yeah. If the color sat on the floor. Okay, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So we're going to start to close up, Danielle, which I could just talk to you forever. But I want to end with a question, which is what would you advise, guidance, love, however you want to look at it, that you would give your younger self? Like three things, maybe three ideas, inspirations, wisdom that you would share with your younger self, if you could. Sure. Um, So thinking back, like the first one I would tell myself is that it's not me, right? It's Mm. that it's what I've been through because my father left when I was young. So I didn't see him for that or talk to him for nine years. And I took that all very personal and I felt as though it affected my worth. So I would tell myself that him leaving has nothing to do with me and to you're loved and lovable and to always love yourself. Um, So that would be one thing. The next thing is to love myself instead of everybody else and make sure that I was good with who I was and that I didn't have to overgive to prove my worth. Mm -hmm. So that would be the second thing. And I guess the third thing would just to let myself know that as much as I was struggling, oh, I'm going to cry now. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Please make me cry. Um, (laughs) um, Is that after all the struggles that I went through and just like a lot of it in my mind and like even I had an eating disorder and money issues and all of that, like everything was going to be okay. And like, Mm -hmm. like if I could see a glimpse of what I have now and like who I am now, like, I think it would have completely changed my life. So like letting myself know that just because where you are right now, doesn't mean that you're going to stay there and that you always have the ability to heal so that you can create the life that you want. And like, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. I have scalp chills. I love that so much because it all, I have to bring myself back to that concept a lot. I tell myself, like, if things are getting yucky, I'm like, everything's going to be okay. It always is. Yes. It always is. And I think as an older person, my age, 53, that I can grasp that more now at this age than I could younger. But looking back, it really, you know, the times I did think that, you know, everything always works itself out somehow. It just does. It does. Yeah. Wow. So So one wonder. Yes. Yes. Amen. Right. Okay, yeah. So one last question. It's a quickie sure. is I've heard that Reiki can be done long distance. Is that a thing or no? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Everything I do is long distance actually. So it's over the computer. Um, and that's because there's no time or space between energy. Right. So that's why like when somebody thinks like a lot of people will be like, 
pick up the phone. Oh, I was just thinking, I was just thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because they were thinking about calling you and you immediately connected with their energy. So when you get those little coincidences, they're not really coincidences. You're just, you're just attached. You're connecting with somebody else's energy and their thoughts. And that's why it happens. So yes. Um, I actually, I think that it really depends on your preference, but like for me with my clients, I like them to be as relaxed as possible. So like if they're in their bed and like comfy with all the, you know, blankets all wrapped on them, like, I think they're going to get the best healing that they can rather than being anxious about being in somewhere that they don't know. Maybe it smells funky, maybe, you know, whatever it is with the sage and stuff. Um, So yeah, so it can be done either or. That makes perfect sense. The more comfortable you are, that makes absolute complete sense. I I love that so much. And Danielle and I, prior to starting this episode, we're talking about doing another one about intuition and psychic abilities and maybe even mediumship. I'd love to dabble into that too, because I feel like so many people out there have access to this type of information is what I like to call it information and it's getting further in touch with yourself is that's part of empowerment. It really oh, yeah. is because yes. you are really honoring the whole of you rather than denying certain aspects of yourself. Yeah. And, and trusting your intuition is like the biggest hurdle that people have mm-hmm. It's like, they just don't trust themselves. So like you just said, learning how to connect to your intuition and trust your intuition is about trusting yourself and it's going to help you heal because again, that comes with the self-acceptance and the empowerment too. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's been a beautiful conversation, Danielle. Thank you so much. How can people find you? I would love to direct them to you, Danielle Ingenito. Very good. (laughs) I love that. Um, Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for having me on here. I really have enjoyed our conversation. Um, Everyone can find me at danielleingenito.com. I have a couple of things on my website on the very front page, um, which is an inner child healing, as well as a cutting cord. So you cut an energetic cord and there's also a deep energy clearing there too. Mm. So dive into that. If you've never dealt with energy work, dive into those, see how it feels, give it a try. There's nothing to lose. There's nothing to be scared of. It's energy, which is science. So mm-hmm. just help yourself. And let's spell your name just for people. D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, Danielle, I-N-G-E-N-I-T-O.com. Danielle Ingenito. And it'll also be in show notes so people can access that. All right. Okay. And that is awesome. And you also have a YouTube channel. Yes, I do. Yes. And how do they find that one? Danielle Ingenito. Just Google me. (laughs) Danielle Ingenito. Google it on the YouTube. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for being here. I super appreciate it. I cannot wait to listen to this again when I edit it. It's going to be amazing share for everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kristen, for having me. And I hope your listeners got a lot out of it. Oh, I'm sure they did. Please be aware of your energy. It'll change your life. I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, I would sure appreciate it if you jumped over to iTunes and left me a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to share it with someone that you love. Until next time, everyone, remember, you matter.